Welcome to the Deerland Podcast. It's episode number two, and it is Sweet November. We're at the newly christened Deerland headquarters right here in North Breck. I'm joined by the big butt killer, Mr. Louis Zinn, and our resident whitetail properties land specialist, Tyler Sellins. How you doing, guys? Good. Doing good, Mike. Good, good, good. Good to see you. Yes, so... We've made it to episode number two. Who would have thought? We've come a long way. We, we have. We have. So, Double the production. That's right. That's right. So um, hopefully some of you guys are back for the second time. If you didn't uh, catch our first episode, make sure you check it out as well. So we've got all sorts of different things we're going to talk about today. Um, how about we do a little bit of talking about what's happened since the last time we've met. I think the last time we met uh, was October the 19th. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now that uh, the 19th has come and gone, we've all checked our trail cameras. And it appears that the 18th and 19th was a pretty, pretty yes. uh, happening time, time frame. A lot of good activity in those it days. Was. All three of us yes. had good, good pictures of daylight movement. And we were doing podcasts. We weren't on the woods. Yeah, unfortunately, I was not in a tree or in a blind. Same here. So I think that Friday, it would have been that Thursday evening, I think. It was that the evening it was raining. It was it was raining that evening. And uh, so uh, I was sitting in a blind and uh, checked my cameras after the fact. And one of my shooters and a couple other bucks were – Standing right where my second bank's blind is currently positioned. Um, you sent me that picture. Yes, early, you know, at 5, 5.30 in the afternoon mm-hmm. or something. So um, even then, it was, you know, warm and a steady rain. It wasn't a downpour. But it was a pretty steady rain, and, you know, the bucks were out there feeding on the clover. So, yep. um, but as as Louis said, we all had some good activity. I know myself uh, on the 18th at – 7.52 in the morning, I believe it was. Uh, my number one deer, he's not quite the biggest, but he's the number one on my list. I followed him. This will be the fourth year now. Um, he was 20 yards from my stand walking a trail at 7.52 in the morning, broad daylight, you know, just just standing there, you know, heading, heading by. So, um, and then uh, that next night, uh, 7.32, I think it was, so about 40 minutes after uh, legal shooting light in there, um, the biggest deer um, the, that's on the farm. He was uh, in the food plot right by uh, my original Banks blind and uh, what I call the small field, a little half acre, half acre food plot. Um, he was out there messing around. Uh, a couple other deer out there as well. He kind of bumped them around a little bit from what I could tell from the different camera angles. Uh, and he was up in the top of the plot uh, earlier. And then uh, about 25 minutes later, he left the plot and went by another camera and headed back into the timber. So he was messing around for a little while there. Um, so yeah, that, uh, that was a couple, uh, exciting days. Um, and then that Sunday, the 21st, I happened to, uh, have a chance to take a doe and, uh, got that done, uh, which was exciting for me. Um, you know, I think even a lot of the guys, you know, you guys and some of the other people that I hunt with, um, hadn't realized how little experience I had bow hunting or, you know, opportunities. And I had only shot two arrows at deer in my life. And those were both October 9th, 2015. I shot a doe to get my first ever deer. And then 
20 minutes later, a 150-inch buck comes out, and I was able to uh, harvest him as well. And those are the only two deer I've ever killed. And 16 and 17, I didn't uh, didn't harvest the doe, uh, didn't have an opportunity at, at a buck. So um, it was good to uh, to get one under my belt and kind of, you know, reassure myself I could do it. 32-yard shot. Uh, there was four does out there at one time. Um, it was later in the evening, um, getting close to last light. And uh, I shot. Shot felt good. Um, you know, I didn't, uh, I didn't have a lighted knock at the time. I do now. Um, so I couldn't exactly see the arrow. Uh, it sounded like it hit. You know, obviously, as you guys know, I mean, there's a, a, a thwack that uh, is hard to miss. Um, the deer ran off 30 or 40 yards, all four of them, out of the plot but standing in some grass that separates uh, to my bigger field. And uh, one of them walked into the timber first. Shortly thereafter, the others kind of followed in. They all walked inside that timber. I waited about 20 minutes, uh, got down. It was, it was pretty dark uh, at that time and went out. And I had a pretty good idea of where they were standing at at the time. Uh, went out, looked for the arrow, looked for blood found neither so you know as that happens first things running through my mind is i missed and you know um must be rusty or something you know i just you start getting down on yourself right away so i thought all right well i'm gonna go over and i know where they stood at for a little while and i'll go over there and i'll check that out so i went over and kind of looked around where they were standing and uh nothing no blood nothing not a speck anywhere so then I, I knew exactly where they went into the timber. It's pretty thick right there. And there was, you know, one clear defined opening that they, you know, come in and out of. So I went there, got on my hands and knees about four or five feet short of the timber. And then up through that trail, just thought, all right, I will find a speck of blood. I mean, if I don't find blood right here, then obviously I didn't, you know, hit anything. So I was doing that and nothing, no blood anywhere. So... I was on my hands and knees because it's real thick. I had a headlamp on, and I look up, and I thought, oh, no, I think that's, that's her right there. Well, it wasn't. It was a big log that had a white bottom on it. It looked just like a belly. So then, you know, I, now I'm really discouraged because I don't know what else to do. You know, wait for daylight and have a better chance to, to find the blood. Needed to find my arrow, but that food plot is extremely thick of brassicas and oats and some fresh clover, and um, so it's, it's tough to find uh, an unlighted arrow in that. So I was backing out because I couldn't even, like, turn around. I just had to shimmy out backwards. And as I did, I just happened to look left, and laying right there was my doe. Had gone 40 yards, um, roughly, from where I shot her at to where she laid. Um, Obviously died fairly quick. Um, And I walked up to her, and her stomach contents were all outside of her body. I mean, it just looked like mulched-up grass clippings almost. Hmm. And so I'm thinking, well, what happened here? It happens, you know. I mean, you you don't always make the perfect shot. Crazy things happen. And uh, so got her out, got her field dressed. Well, what had happened is uh, my arrow went in on the entry side of the third rib from the back, and it was facing forward. She was quartered away when I shot. And then when it exited, it exited out the back rib on the opposite side and was heading back the other way because you can tell where the – the impact of the rib and then the exit of the the hide was so it, it went in quartering two and then it reversed and went back out the other way somehow mm. the craziest thing that i've ever seen but ultimately the exit hole was plugged um so there was no you know no way for any sure. blood to get out and uh 
it wasn't that bad of a shot. I mean, I was probably – Kind of broadhead. Was it a G5? G5 yeah. dead meat broadhead. Uh, first deer that I'd shot with them. Um, fantastic. I mean, I, I'm satisfied with the uh, the penetration through the ribs. I mean, it went through two ribs, essentially. Sure. Um, and then it was a clean pass-through, and I still don't know where the, where the arrow went. Um, but, uh, you know, it was a good lesson for me, I guess, that, um, you know, even four or five inches back – um, but again, she was quartered away, um, so it wasn't a horrible shot by any means. But you just never know what's going to happen. I mean, once that arrow hits the deer, it can do all sorts of crazy things. Um, and then even with a clean pat, plas, pass through, mm-hmm. there was you know no blood. Yeah. Um, well, the arrow can do a lot of different things, and so can the deer, twisting, turning. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, and I think that was it too. Oil. You know, I think she was probably wheeling even more away. Um, and you know, ducking and turning, and you know, had, bouncing had, off ribs. And. I had uh, Rick came up one year from Florida deer hunting, and uh, he wasn't in the stand fifteen minutes. Probably dropped him off, calls me fifteen minutes later, and says, "Hey, I I hit a big one." And and uh, I mean, he swears to this day that he hit him broadside. But when you started lining the deer up, once we found him, and, and it, we didn't find him till midday, but he lined the deer up. The deer head, he was forty yards, the long. Mm-hmm. a fairly long shot and, and the deer had had time to react to the shot and had spun and twisted and and what he thought was a broadside shot was just completely different when it actually when impact happened so that happens it does it does um but ultimately uh i was able to recover it um all the meat was good yeah, and yeah. uh got to it right away um you know and i probably would have backed out until the next day and then you know tried to find that arrow and uh so now I am running um, nocturnal lighted knocks Mm -hmm. on my arrows, you know, and and I never used them before because, I don't know, I guess I thought, well, I don't video, you know, so what's really the point for me? I never really thought about seeing the the arrow's flight and the impact, and then even if you still don't see quite the impact, having a better chance of spining your arrow. And as you all know, and as most bow hunters do know, that is a huge part of knowing what you're up against is getting a chance to see your arrow. Yeah. Or if maybe you don't have a full pass through, you'll see that lighted knock, you know, running away or whatnot. Um, so yeah, so now my arrows are outfitted with those. Um, and as we talked about, I'm using the, the G five dead meat broadheads. Um, they, they fly really true. Um, they do have their own, uh, ballistic match point, um, field tip that, you know, you can shoot as well. Yeah. And, and I had been shooting just regular field tips, and then I threw those on and, you know, was shooting those, and they're just dead on, you know. When you put that lighted knock on there, does it? Sh- does your arrow shoot a little different? I, I, you haven't tried I it? haven't tried that yet, no. <laughs> they're a little bit heavier now. Are they? Now that you went to a lighted knock, right. so you might, yeah. you might try them yeah. and see if they're shooting the same. Yeah. My father-in-law just put lighted knocks on his bolts, his crossbow bolts, and I told him, I'm like, those are heavier than your old knocks, so you might shoot them again. And his were shooting exactly the same. Okay. So I think they're starting to get the lighted knocks uh, light, uh, a lot lighter right. than they used to be. So they're probably shooting very similar to the original you knocks. You know, and I, and I think, too, especially, you know, with a crossbow is, you know, they're decent, uh, decent speeds in them, yeah. you know. Um, and my bow, it's the last time I chronographed it, it was 292 feet per second, which is a little slower than what it had been, but that's still decent. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't plan to – I'd always said, yeah, I'm not going to shoot past 40, 
you know, but the more I sit out there and look at 40, that's that's a poke. It is. Um, you know, a long a, shot. A lot of things can happen. Take some discipline to uh, be accurate and consistent and well, confident. And, and even then, you can be as accurate, consistent, and confident as you want, but you don't know what that deer is going to do. And you can think, all right, if, if they're not on guard, if they're relaxed, that, you know, maybe they won't drop. But who's to say? They could. They could drop, you know, 10 inches. Um hmm. And then you can also have a deer that's nervous that you think, all right, it's going to drop, so I'm going to aim low that doesn't. You yeah. know, you just don't know. Yeah. Um, so the the further out there you get, I think, the more um, the more risky that it is. Yeah, past 30, you almost got to start aiming low yeah. at that point, you know. I think, uh, did you guys see that, uh, I think it was Grant Woods Grant the other Woods, day. Grant Woods, yeah. Did a little, a little uh, study the other day on something, just a deer drop and how much they can – I think they basically reenacted it on some, uh, was it a balloon or something? A balloon, yeah. And Weighted they, balloon? They would drop it, um, and then based on uh, the poundage of the bow and how fast it was shooting, and mm-hmm. it, it's very interesting. You should check out uh, growingdeer.tv uh, or their Facebook channel, or their YouTube channel, rather, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and look at that. I mean, it's kind of eye-opening, especially for some people that maybe haven't thought about it as much or just how much a deer can drop. Yeah. It's unbelievable how much they can drop. So. Yep. Um, you know, I've shot both of my does actually were at 32 yards that I've shot. Um, the one buck that I've shot was at five steps. So, mm-hmm. um, but 32 yards, I mean, that's kind of pushing it for me. I mean, mm-hmm. um, the other thing too, the, the deer I shot that evening, you know, there was a, a wind that was blowing, I don't know, about 13, I think at the time. And it was, you know, going from her head to her tail. Um, so that could have played a little bit of a factor into why it was back. But, you know, honestly, I think I'm left-handed. Um, and I think I probably just torqued my bow just a touch too. Um, but again, I mean, you know, we're talking five inches probably from center, center sure. mass, you know. Um, so were you, uh, ladder stand, lock on bank spline? I was in a, I was in a bank stump four. actually the first time I'd even shot out of the banks every year. I keep saying, I'm going to go out, throw a target on the ground and do a little target practice from this thing. I just never had. Um, I just know that, you know, plenty of people have shot from them and said that, you know, um, not much to it, you know, sure. so, and I'm 10 foot off the ground. So it's not like it's a huge angle, um, to, to kind of get used to. So, uh, worked out really well. Um, those blinds let you get by a lot. They do. Days. They really do. And, you know, you kind of get, oh, you get a little spoiled, I guess, you know, you do. Um, it's not, you know, we started out hunting from tree stands and. And then maybe we evolved a little bit to ground blinds, and yep. now we're hunting out of these really nice insulated uh, Taj Mahals, you know, yeah. <laughs> and they're soundproof and they're scentproof, and it's changed the game. Uh, you almost feel a little guilty when you got deer at five yards and they can't smell you or hear you. Um, you know, I, it, what are your thoughts on it? It's, it's I, I changed remember, the way we hunt. I remember time. starting out as a kid, you know, growing up hunting with dad and. You know, it wasn't even a lock-on. I think we may have had a few lock-ons, but it was permanent stands right. built into the Homemade, tree. Yeah, yeah. I mean, two by had, fours and treated. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, go out and build a stand, and that's where you hunted. And, and uh, it, it's definitely evolved a lot. You know, I think uh, if you guys pay, of course, I do a lot of attention to, you know, other people out killing deer, and it seems like a lot of the you know the TV shows or just anybody in general, there's a lot of deer killed out of a blind sitting over a food plot and less and less deer kill out of a, out of a stand itself these days but which i think you lose a certain aspect of the hunt yeah from a blind for sure um there's those you can't hear anything it, there's those sounds and those smells that you just can't beat when you're sitting in a stand and 
It is different, and and I do believe that you know we're going to have a lot of our listeners, or at least a fair amount, that maybe don't look as highly on these types of blinds. I mean, you know, yeah. you see it on social media and stuff, and uh, and I understand it is an investment. Um, but you know, for guys like Louie and I that own our own farms, um, you know, it's permanent. It ain't like we're going to lose permission there anytime soon. Um, you know, we've got young kids. Um, it's a no brainer when it comes time to taking them out. Um, so there's a lot of benefits to it. You know, last year I hunted every sit, but one, I think I hunted 52 sits last year and only one of them from a tree. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> I just didn't, I didn't plan well enough. Um, you know, but even this year, I mean, I've only got two stands, but I've, I've hunted, uh, more out of a, a stand than I have the blind this year so far, but. I, I think probably one of the biggest benefits I see to a, a, a box blind, banks blind, whatever whatever you may have, is just from the kids aspect. We all have kids. I took uh, I took Spencer out two nights ago. Yeah. You know we uh, I picked him up and we got dressed and went out and did our thing, crawled in the blind, had some snacks, and you know we're able to sit there and have a little conversation yeah. and have some fun and and make it fun. Yeah. You know this day and age, I think we're losing hunters, you know, all the time, and there's less and less people, but getting your kids out there is a is a big deal to me i mean it's we uh we had the opportunity we had a 145 inch 10 point come by at 10 yards and yeah i elected not to shoot it but we sat there and watched him out the window and yeah. do his thing and go on and and i was glad to hear that <laughs> yeah <laughs> mike's hoping he walks by him here yeah yeah it had been it had been a tough one for me that's that's for sure when yeah. you can you can take these kids to your best spots that's and, right and they can watch videos and make noise and yeah, you know, unless you got to open that window, you're you're good. I mean, they're you know, it's, yeah, we watched it's a no out, brainer. It's we a big watched investment. Three or four different windows. Yeah, watched started in one and moved to the next window, and you know, moved the curtain on the next one, and just kind of watched him do his thing. And you know, I think from that aspect, was that when I grew up as a kid, it was uh, Dad and I. We had a, uh, and I remember this vaguely. He probably won't like this story, but I remember going back, and there was this old fallen down oak tree that was perfect because I could sit on one limb. And he could sit right up behind me, but be above me, and and I'm tucked in close to him, and he could shoot. And we we spent a lot of hunts in that stand. I remember one in particular. I think he missed five different times at the same buck, and he. Uh... <laughs> oh boy! I don't oh believe boy, that yeah. story for uh, nothing. Hey, I do. I oh do. My. I think he started at fifty. He shot and missed, and the deer went off, and he grunted, and he came back, missed, and went. It was just back and forth, and it was, was he shooting a bow. Yeah, of course you got to remember the bows. I mean, we're talking. I mean, we're talking early 90s. Yeah. Know? I mean, the technology was, you know, wow. And that timber looks a lot different now than it did then. And you can see. Uh, I, I just don't know if. <laughs> you you can still see remnants of where that oak tree was. Now there's a bank spline 30 yards away. Okay. And Dad spends most of his days in that stand. So it's a. Uh, it, it, was a, it was a good time. I made a lot of, we led a lot of memories in that. I remember. Uh, well, I could go on and on about that, but mm-hmm. anyway, we had a lot of good, a lot of good hunts on that tree. So. Well, and you know, and while we're on the the topic of the of the blinds, uh, my little boy is three and a half, um, and I'm trying to debate on what time I want to bring him out or what situation I want to bring him out for. I had thought about doing it early season. We didn't get around to it. Actually, you know, I kind of got onto some deer a little bit sooner than I thought I would, and uh, so. Um. Sure. We didn't uh we didn't make it out. So now I'm thinking maybe maybe uh a gun season either a 
muzzleloader or gun season. Um, we'll have the heater out there, and I I would like him to be with me when I have a chance to you know shoot at something um, to kind of really get him hooked. I guess. I mean, I think just seeing deer, you know, he would be thrilled about. It. And to be honest with you, he'd be happy just to be sitting out there with me. Um, but uh, I want him uh, to be excited about it and, and, and have fun. So. I don't know. Some people say that three and a half is a little young, but I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, he's put a lot of work in with me uh, doing these food plots and stuff. So I think that's kind of part of the whole process to show him that, you know, you come out here in the summertime, put this work in when it's hot, come out here when it's a little bit cooler now, and uh, you get to enjoy the fruits of your labor. So. I took Spencer last year. Spencer's four and a, let's see, almost four and a half now. So I took him at what Riker's age is now last year. Um you know, I asked him if he wanted to go hunting. He knew I was going hunting, and he wanted to go, so we went. And, and uh, you know, he's this year he understands the concept a lot more, mm-hmm. that it's learning more, that it's hunting, not shooting. Right. Um, you know, last year he thought we were going to shoot a deer. Yeah. Um, but it was good to get out and watch the deer. I think that night we went, we saw, you know, 10 or 12 deer that were all within, you know, 60, 70 yards of us. and. He had a good time, but when the night was over and we hadn't shot a deer yet, he wasn't comprehending the the why we hadn't killed something. Yeah. Um. Th- this year, he's picking up on that more. That, hey, okay, we have to get these deer in range, and you know, it, it's a hunt, not a shoot. So, um, I I'd tell you, take him out as much as you can. I wouldn't wait on the perfect situation. Just have him in the blinds probably going to be a learning experience and and well worth it just to get him exposed to it and get him hooked on it yep no so we'll uh we'll make it happen um you know honestly i'm gonna wait until the next few weeks are over with um get through the rut a little bit and uh you know because i don't want to be uh a little on edge when he's there you know and these next couple weeks we can get a little edgy sitting out there i mean we're kind of all amped up a little bit and you don't know what's around the next corner Whereas a little more late in the season, you know, you see some does coming out, there's less likely chance that, you know, there's going to be a shooter coming out of the woods behind it, and, you know, you can enjoy it a little bit more. So, uh, again, my my main concern is just to make it a fun and enjoyable experience, and uh, part of that's on me. So um, I'm looking forward to the fall. I think it'll I think it'll be fun. So, so that's our segment on uh, box blinds, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they are great. So you guys want to talk about, I guess we can talk a little bit about, you know, what, uh, what gear we're using this fall, um, what, uh, what we typically use. Um, I'm, T- shooting a, I'm, I'm shooting a PSE Dream Season Evo. Um, it's a 2011 or 2012 model. I'm not sure. I bought it used a few years back in 2015. This is my fourth season uh, hunting with it. I love the bow. Um, shoot it pretty well. Uh, it is kind of a faster bow. It's got a shorter brace height, but... Um, it, uh, it fits me quite well. Um, right now I'm shooting the gold tip XT 400, um, uh, Hunter arrows. Um, and then, uh, the gold tip dead meat broadheads. And we were just talking, I'm thinking about maybe switching, uh, switching up my arrows to something a little bit different. I haven't decided on exactly what yet, but, uh, so far that combination has, has worked well for me. Um, shooting, a, a true fire release, um, I think it's called the chicken wing, actually. Um, you keep good uh, memory on what you're shooting. Yeah, I, I try to. Uh, of course, it's not that old either. So uh, this is only my, I think this is my first year shooting the dead meat broadheads. And uh, I've been shooting the same arrows in the last four years and same bow. So 
Uh, I did just switch this release over the winter, maybe late last fall. Um, it's a hook style release. And the, the trigger aspect or the trigger part of it come with two. And one of them was shaped like a, a W almost where you could put your pointer finger and your middle finger on it. And I shot that for quite a while, but um, I'm now back to just shooting it with uh, with my trigger finger. And Jamie, that works on my bow at Mike's Bow Shop, he was telling me that it's essentially now another brand or another model of a True Fire release. I don't know, but uh, I like it. It's comfortable. Um, it has the uh, the leather wrist strap. The one I had before was not. It was the nylon one, and sure. it wasn't quite as comfortable. Um, so. So that's my that's my bow my bow setup. Uh, what about cool. you, Lou? What are you doing these days? Well, I'm uh, I'm excited to be shooting a crossbow. Uh, I, I've been a diehard Hoyt guy for a long time, so I, I mean I'm still have my Hoyt and shoot my Hoyt, and uh, you know still love the sport of archery. But now that uh, Illinois has opened up crossbows, it's it's kind of fun to play around with those, so I actually um, invested in a, a really nice Raven crossbow, and it's just been fun to. It's been really fun to shoot, and I've uh, I harvested a doe with it two three weeks ago, and um, I still take my bow out and shoot it and practice with it, and I'm going to take it out and hunt with it here during the rut coming up, but. Uh, you know the crossbows sure changed the game uh, you know let's be honest we don't have as much time as we probably need to practice enough to be real confident with our vertical bows uh, you know if we're going to effectively start harvesting animals at 30 40 50 yards with our vertical bow it takes a quite a bit of practice to be good at that distance um, and i'd love to have the time to be able to shoot my vertical bow at at those yardages and get confident with it but um, now in Illinois we don't have to rely completely on our vertical bows we can take a crossbow out so it's uh, it's added more confidence I guess every time I go out I'm really confident in that raven and and its capabilities and uh, you know it's just it's unfair at long distances what that crossbow can do not i'm not uh, saying that it's a great idea to shoot anything uh, with a crossbow or a vertical bow at 70 80 90 yards but when you're out there practicing and you're shooting one inch two yeah. inch groups at 70 80 yards it's uh makes you feel pretty darn good at 50 you know? it's it's I mean, fun yeah you can't shoot at the same same spot at 50 with that raven or right. you'll you'll break every bolt should be uh, deadly on squirrels yeah. yeah, we need to talk about squirrels this episode. Yeah, I, squirrel in. I was just uh, I just about bought some uh, some G five uh, small game broadheads the other day for squirrels. Yeah, yeah, so. love it. Um, as far as the uh, I'm shooting a Raven crossbow. I've got a Hoyt uh, got a Hoyt bow. I'm, I'm always an Easton guy when it comes to arrows. I've always been a new archery products uh, NAP broadhead guy. Uh, I got Spitfires screwed on i've got kill zone screwed on um just tried and true i don't know if anybody makes a, a tougher sharper broadhead than a nap but everything out there that you buy at, at your local sporting goods store is good though i mean there's 
There's no doubt. Um, we're, we're gear guys. I mean, that's all we, you know, and we're not yeah. thinking about managing our properties and and uh, gear hate- and turkeys. We're thinking about the gear that we're using. You know, I mean, we could, oh, my gosh, we don't want to. Our wives don't need to know what we spend on <laughs> negative <laughs> just broadheads they, i'll, I'll they, pretend you didn't just say that yeah. well, they don't, they don't listen to this they don't listen to the no I, I, I don't they i don't, don't think they we'll don't have listen, to worry so about uh, that but we're good there, there's so many gadgets out there these days that oh my gosh you gotta sometimes you gotta i just love draw it all. the line somewhere i just love it all you know yeah. we we're, we could talk hours about blinds we could talk hours about our cameras that we swear by our broadheads it just makes the sport even more uh, just so much more enjoyable. Yeah, it's just like it's just like the game of golf. You know, you talk to somebody that's a golfer, and they all they want to talk about is what clubs you're hitting and your new tailor made driver, and what are you hitting a Pro V golf ball. Hunting is, you know, it's even worse. I mean, you've it got is. you've got twenty different tools at your disposal that you're you're taking with you out in the field. Well, in the hunting industry in particular, I mean, it's always what's the next mousetrap that's coming out. And, you know, a lot of times you'll see something for two or three years and either it it, it takes off or it doesn't. So, um, you know, and there's, and, and there's so many other things, too. I mean, we can get into, you know, I'm sitting here looking at, you know, a, a scent crusher closet. And I know we all use Ozonics and stuff like that. But, you know, when we really get deep into some of this other gear, I mean, we'll kind of save that for a separate podcast yeah, whole different um, i saw somebody wearing sitka gear on our hunt tonight yeah yeah so just to um, go hunt in a bank's blind just to go yeah. hunt in a bank's blind i mean who <laughs> who would have thought you know and I, i'm over here wearing uh scent lock pants and uh, a hoodie and nomad uh uh under undershirt and hat and um so yeah i just uh, i wear whatever is comfortable and uh and does the trick and they have in my size because uh when you've got my uh swelt figure you can't always find uh everything in stock so um so as far as uh that goes what about you mr sellens what uh what kind of what gear am i using this year well actually i uh i just went out behind the house of the day and got me a hickory stick and whittled out a new bow wow. this year so long bow no i'm, I'm kidding <laughs> uh novel idea but i don't have the time for that either so yeah i'm still shooting uh matthews true and true so it's uh i know louie over here is a hoyt man has been for years and matthews makes a great bow i i've been a matthews guy and and uh i don't by any means have a new model year bow but uh you know what i've got works great and shoots well it's accurate and i think i've got a dxt i've probably had it for the better part of probably close to 10 years hmm. probably DXT's every, probably every bit years. of it i mean it's uh probably 12 I, yeah 12 or 14 years i don't have any complaints on it so um yeah you know and that's saying like with with my bow this pse dream season evo i'm left-handed um seen it on facebook for sale seemed like a good price to me and sure. uh, hadn't been used much and so that's how I ended up with that. I wasn't necessarily brand specific, you know. Looking back on it, I I'm glad I bought it because it is a a higher end bow. I mean, when it come out, it was kind of like their flagship model. Sure. Um, so, so yeah. I mean, as you hear, I mean, we all you're a Hoyt guy and you're shooting Matthews and I'm shooting PSE, but uh, we all just kind of like what we have and they're effective and we're comfortable with them, and so we just keep shooting them. A lot of good stuff. The most important parts: who's working on your bow. I mean, if we can shoot any kind of brand under the sun. It's, yep. The guys that set it up are the most important. 
No, you know, and that's something else. I mean, you know, we'll get into later on, but we all kind of have our, you know, our own guys probably yeah. that we feel comfortable with. And, and there's not just one good one out there. I'm sure there's lots of good ones out there. So if you find one that works, by all means, stick with them. You know, if they're treating you right and setting you up right and uh, uh, will listen to you and take care of you. I mean, that's the thing I know about my guy. I mean, I just know he's going to take care of me. He's not going to try to sell me something I don't need yeah. or set me up with something that's going to set me up for failure. So uh, that's the most important thing. I have confidence uh, once it's set up and ready to go that it's going to sure. shoot well. And if it's not, it's because of me and not the equipment. Sure. So, um, so that's kind of a, a rundown of our gear. Um, you know what I'm excited about, Mike? What's that, Lou? That's that logo, that Deerland logo. Yeah, you know. So let's talk a, a little bit about where Deerland is right now. So um, we we really got this ball rolling uh, first part of October, I think, uh, when Lou sent me a message and said, "Hey, man, you know, you want to do this? I'll I'll do it with you." And it wasn't 24 hours later. I was already. Uh, buying domain names and setting up social media accounts and stuff like that, making sure that, you know, we could uh, get everything that we're going to need um, before we, before we got going. And uh, since then it's moved awfully fast. Here we are the first of November. So we're coming up on probably about four weeks uh, since we, we really got going on this thing. Um, So, you know, with this social media type of uh, venture that we're undertaking here, um, which is something that none of the three of us are extremely um, adept to uh, or experts at or very, very good at. We're kind of that age, as we've talked about, we're all in our mid thirties, you know, 34, 35, 36. Um, We're kind of that in between where we had a little bit of the, you know, the digital age, but we still had some that wasn't. Um, So we can kind of fall behind on the current trends sometimes. And, uh, with the social media, I mean, it's, it's an art form and that's something that I've learned, but we all are business per people, businessmen, I guess, owning businesses of some sort. We understand the value of, um, branding and, um, brand awareness. And so we knew that we needed to come up with something that, uh, that was catchy, that was, appropriate for you know the the message we're wanting to to put across and uh that looked professional because we do want this to be a professional you know production and uh yet still fun um we were talking about before we started recording i mean we're not going to be scripted by any means but it's not going to be just an extreme blabbering mess the whole time Um, but we are going to sit here and, and shoot the breeze a little bit um so we're very fortunate that uh kind of our 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 fourth fourth guy of this in a way is uh mr ryan kirby um you know we all consider him a, a great friend um he's uh he's one of us i guess and he's been a an extreme help in in getting us uh branded for now um so he has created our logo um so if you see uh, any of our profile pictures or the the podcast uh cover art um anything that is is a, a logo of the Deerland podcast that is due in part to Ryan Kirby and Ryan Kirby art. Um, you'll see that, uh, the deer in that is, uh, one of his very works. Um, was it from scrape line? Scrape line. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we're all just, you know, uh, thrilled about how it turned out. I mean, and he kind of did it on his own, uh, gave us some ideas and we told him, you know, there was a couple we kind of liked. And then this final product, he did it. And, you know, we were all just blown away. And, uh, 
so we're very thankful to have that and and we're going to use ryan as we go on as well i was just asking him uh, about an app that he uses for some social media stuff um and uh he's kind of been down this road already and you talk about you know somebody that has become extremely successful not only in just the work that he does but how he's able to market it uh, and his social media presence and, and how he's grown that. And, you know, he comes from the same place we do. Um, so I know we can do it. Uh, it's just going to take a little bit of time and a learning curve. And uh, we're thankful to have Ryan Kirby Art as uh, our one partner right now. Um, you know, maybe down the road we'll have a, a few more partners uh, on board with us. But right now we've got, uh, we've got Ryan and uh, some awesome – some awesome artwork to, to go along with it. So, and also I do believe that Mr. Kirby is going to be back uh, a week from the night. He's hoping, and uh, we're definitely going to at least get one podcast recorded with him. Um, and that should, uh, that should be a, a, a fun and entertaining evening for us. And I think for the listeners as well, we'll have some good topics to talk about that night. So, um, so that's uh, a little bit of us shooting the breeze, I guess. Um, let's move on to the topic of the day. And I think what we're going to talk about is, is just deer movement the last couple weeks and the next couple weeks, as we said, it's November 1st today. I'm hoping to have this podcast, uh, coming online this Monday, um, the fifth I'm hoping. So, you know, it won't be very long. So it won't be outdated information by any means. But as every everyone that's listening knows, when November comes, that means the rut is coming. Uh, the deer are going to start acting a little bit different. Um, their movements are going to be different. Their patterns are going to be totally different. And they're really not going to have a pattern. You know, sure. it just kind of mm-hmm. it just kind of goes crazy. So, so why don't we talk about the last couple weeks? You know, um, since you know since we recorded this last time, kind of what uh, what we're seeing. Um, as far as the deer movement, um, the, their feeding patterns or just their patterns in general and, and what you've been seeing leading up, you know, here to first of November. If you've got trail cameras out and you don't have them on scrapes lately, yeah. you're probably missing some scrapes things. Are on fire. Scrapes have been on fire sure. lately and that's just kind of kicked, kicked off here in the last 10 days or so. Sure. Yeah. Um, I just posted that picture the other day on Instagram. You know, I hunted this spot Monday morning. Um, and, uh, there wasn't a scrape there or there was, there was a small scrape there. And then I come back, um, and hunted Wednesday and there was a massive scrape with a licking branch that was snapped in half. Um, a pretty good size licking branch at that actually, uh, that had been snapped in half and uh, a huge scrape there at that point. So um, this is also the same spot that Sunday morning um, I had two two deer come by at daylight, um, and then I hunted – no, that was Saturday morning. And then I hunted Sunday morning and, and Monday morning and didn't see them. And then I come back Wednesday afternoon, and that big scrape had been there. So just, you know, scrapes, scrapes are hot right now, but that's something that's going to, uh, you know, in the next week or so that's probably going to die off some, I would think. For a little while, and then they may pick back up a little bit later. You'll see a little bit more, but what um, what I've seen a lot of lately, just being out hunting, uh, you know, is a lot of the younger age class deer, uh, some two year olds, few three year olds out running around. There's a few four year olds that have been up on their feet in daylight and and checking a few things out, but um, you know, we give it another week, 
at most, I would say, and things are going to be hitting on – should be hitting on all cylinders. I mean, it's uh, it's that time of the year. It's November. You know, I mean, the calendar calendar but I, I think over that you've got – you've put the time in the stand. And I my philosophy has always kind of been is you've got your trail camera history. This time of the year, you've got bonus bucks that show up. I always kind of say is you can take some of those trail camera photos you have and not pay a lot of attention to them because that buck may be here. He may be on a neighboring farm. Yeah. Um, you know, this is your time. You of may year. see deer you've never seen before. It, too. Exactly. The, the rut and late season winter food sources are the times of the year, in my opinion, that you're most most likely to see a deer that you've never never laid eyes on or, or even had a picture of in the past. I've been lucky to hunt a lot of different farms, mm-hmm. probably, uh, you know, 10 to 15 different farms in my lifetime. And everyone seems a little different, you know, as far as um when the does are maybe coming in and when the when the bucks are cruising the best and um you know i think it all depends on how many does you got compared to how many bucks and all the the ratios and stuff but uh you know on this farm uh in particular that i've got close to three years of history with uh, uh november 5th 6th 7th is when things really get heated up mm-hmm. And that'll go for, you know, 10 or 15 days. Last year, uh, opening day of shotgun season was the best day of hunting I had. I hunted all day, and it was nonstop. So it's just different from farm to farm. Like, uh, I've got a lot of cameras on scrapes, and my scrapes have went kind of cold, you know, like where you guys were hunting tonight. I just checked that camera, and it's uh, – there, there isn't much on that scrape. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we had ten, a, 10 we, days prior, there was a lot. We had a two-year-old – you you you, you guys saw you guys saw a, a buck tonight that I don't have pictures of at all. Velvet, uh, he he just showed up and he's young. Right, he's going to be a great deer, but he's on uh, the move, obviously. Right, I think um, you know things are are starting to get pretty pretty active and and bucks are moving around a lot. Um, it's it's that time of the year that you know a lot of guys prior to now have paid a lot of attention to cold fronts, weather patterns high pressure systems uh you know there just comes a point sometimes where there's that time of the year where just go it's that time to right. just go if you've got the time to dedicate to it and you've got time to go hunting just go go get in right. stand spend, spend i'd this. say the next five to seven are your best chance of killing something big and then after that it's going to get a little hard you think and, so that yeah. soon they're going to yeah. get a lot they're going to get on lockdown yeah. as they get on lockdown they're going to be harder to kill and you're going to find them you know going from doe to doe but uh you know i mean i i think uh Mrs. Dopey's up in uh-huh. uh, Mount Pleasant. I don't know if you follow their Facebook sure. page, but I saw the other day they had a dough and heat and, yeah. and getting bread. So, I mean, it's 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 that time of the year. It's getting right that they're, you know, you're going to see. I always I always see a, a pattern over the years that it's your two and three year olds are on their feet. Yeah. Uh, to start with, and then there's that time frame where it's the old, the older bucks. Sure. They know it's time to be up and going. There's and, always some does that are early. The hardest time is when a lot of them are in heat, and then it's just. Uh, lockdown 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 and and it's you know hard to catch up with one because he's he 24 hours a day he's with a hot dough you know so i think i talked about this a little bit on the first episode but last year october 28th um was the first big cold front that we had of october um and so i went and sat uh, over my large my large field i could see a lot and i obviously had uh, one of the first does to come in and i had a buck parade come through um the my number one target buck was coming through some i'd never seen one buck come through that morning that i got a picture of him seen him uh, on the hoof never seen him again after that sure. um and from there till november 2nd 
I had just a steady stream of deer and they were going to the same spot coming in and out at the same area so i am positive that i had a doe coming in and you know one of them probably got to her at some point and actually i did have a day uh where this five-year-old that i'm i'm after this year uh was hoping to shoot him last year too but he always gets busted up and he was busted up again last year he went in there and i sat all day um was sitting in a blind um which was great because I could see everything, but I just could never get close from that uh, vantage point last year. But I watched him go in to the timber at uh, 8.30 in the morning, and then he didn't leave till 3.30 in the afternoon. Um, and I'm sure he was in there with the doe because, you know, there was a doe hanging out in that area as well. So I think he's the one that probably ended up getting that that hot doe. And they also say that sometimes these deer will kind of remember if an area has a doe that tends to come in, uh, you know, early or first that you'll start seeing some, some bucks come back year after year about the same time. But I don't believe that, uh, I've got one getting close yet. I haven't seen any, uh, camera activity that would state that or any, any observations from the field. So, um, I've, I've seen, uh, you know, a year and a half, two and a half, you know, chasing a little bit, but, uh, but that's been about it so far. Um, as far as the feeding goes, I mean, I've noticed at least, uh, one of my timber stands, the acorns just aren't dropping near as much as they had been, you know, a couple weeks ago. Uh, I think, you know, obviously we're going to continue to see that happening. The weather has been, you know, kind of normal, I guess, but it's been a little, a little warmer than what I would like it to be. Um, we've had some low pressure here lately. Uh, some cloudy skies, uh, some a little bit of rain, chances of rain. Um, so I think that's kind of um, changed the feeding a little bit. I mean, I've got uh, clover standing beans and then uh, some greens inside the standing beans. And, you know, last night I hunted the, the big four-acre plot and uh, the deer come out and, and milled around in the clover for a little while um, and, then, and then moved on. They didn't, uh, they didn't mess with the beans at all. Um, they went back to the timber, so I'm assuming maybe they're still cleaning up some of the acorns that are that are inside the timber right now. But uh, that'll all change in time. It will. I mean, um, it's it's getting to that that point where we're going to see that change as well. I think so. You know, and as as Louis was just saying too, he's hunted a lot of farms and and can tell you that you know different farms kind of operate on a different type of time schedule. You know, even not being geographically separated by much. And what I've noticed in the the four years that I've hunted my farm, this is the fourth bow season that I've hunted it. Um, I seem to be that, that second week of November seems to be a little bit better for me. I'll have a little bit early on where I think maybe, you know, one or two are coming in and then it kind of dies off for a while. But if I had to pick, you know, a five day window, I'm probably hunting the seventh to the 12th, uh, in there, but I've also seen a huge, um, amount of chasing going on opening shotgun weekend these last couple of years. And, you know, we've kind of timed it where it's the earliest in the month that it's going to be. And every year, you know, it gets a little bit a day later until the calendar resets. But, um, two years ago, uh, Friday was really good. Um, last year, Friday and Saturday was, was decent for, uh, some buck activity. Um, so I, I don't know what's going to happen this year. Uh, the next five days does not look to be the best, um, if, uh, if anybody out there is using, uh, the new Drury app, uh, DeerCast, they've got different levels and, uh, you know, a lot of times it's, it's good or great. Um, sometimes it's okay. Um, but, uh, these next five days, there's a lot of okay and a lot of poor. 
and uh, that's going to make it a, a little bit tougher, I believe. But like we talked about off the air, and and Louie hit on a little bit, and Tyler did as well. It's November, and if you have a chance to hunt and you have a, a place to go that you can get into that you know that has a safe win and you can get into it and get out of it. I don't know why you wouldn't be out there because, you know, even this weekend, November 1st, 2nd, 3rd, anything's possible. Sure. Um, you know, it's uh, it's it's all on the table right now. Yeah, don't don't put all your cards into an app. I mean, it's kind of like uh, betting on the weatherman these days. You know, I mean, if it's – Well, if, especially if, if November. The, if the conditions are right and you've got time to go hunt, put some time in the stand, get out there. I mean, you just never know if you're waiting on that right deer. You know, if you've got a target deer or something, I mean – you know, you're not – if you're hunting one deer, it's it's time in the stands what it's going to take. I mean, well, I'm telling you, even if the conditions aren't right, if it's raining and I have a chance to go hunting, I'm going to be sitting in a blind and I'm going to be hunting. Um, you know, as we just talked about a little bit ago, I mean, I had three bucks, one shooter out there a couple of weeks ago, you know, um, early, you know, an hour before sunset, and it was raining and they were out there eating the clover. So during the rut, you know, maybe a – a storm, you know, a violent storm, downpours, you know, I'm not going to be out lightning, but, you know, a good steady rain or if I, even if it's pouring, I think it's going to let up before the end of legal shooting light. I'm going to get out there, man. I mean, you only get so many Novembers in life. So, uh, I want to take advantage of all of them that I can. That's, that's for sure. So, um, so let's talk about what, uh, what our plans are these next couple weeks. Just hit it hard. Try to try to get out there as much as you can, especially. Uh, I've got the weekend coming up here. Weather's, you know, it's not too bad. Um, I wouldn't say it's uh, cold by any means. I mean, obviously, we'd like a little bit colder, but it's not. It's not above. It's average. not warm either, no. and and we've got a little rain in the forecast. So, just got to put your hours in and uh, don't get discouraged. Don't get burnt out. Uh, go into your best spots in the morning, but. Man, it's hard for me to sit um, in certain places in the afternoons and evenings, especially when those thermals are dropping and you're. It's so easy to get winded when you're way back in the timber, and yeah, wind might be a little swirly, and the and the thermals are pushing your scent down. I like to hunt my best spots. I mean, I, I I would love to think I could still sit in the same tree all day long, but it's really really hard to do. Uh, I'm I'm way better at sitting somewhere till eleven or noon, getting down, and then getting back out to a different spot that might not be as invasive uh, for the afternoon sit. Um, and that's that a, just seems to work good on this place, but it's different. It's different everywhere. I mean, yeah, you might not uh, have that. And if I, a, if I had place. one recommendation to do, is this time of the year, if not knowing which day is going to be hitting on all cylinders, is throw you a bottle of water, a few snacks in the in your backpack. I've had many a days, many times I went out and thought I was going to hunt till ten, eleven o'clock. Come back, grab some lunch, get a little work done, head back out at you know one, two, three o'clock in the afternoon, and at twelve o'clock things are still moving and deer are on their feet, and I don't want to leave, and I end up sitting there all day, and that can turn into a, a long, well, a long, yeah. dry, hungry hunt. But and that's something that I definitely am going to do as well because that's happened to me before. Um, so you want to be prepared, uh, for an all day sit. But as Louie was talking about, you know, I I'm learning as I go along here. And a lot of, a lot of learning is just trial and error, finding something that works, something that doesn't work and doing something different. And so, you know, these last few years, I've had a lot of sits where, 
you know, I'm sitting in one spot all day long, um, a lot of times close to food, um, and that's just not the best place to be during the rut, especially, you know, mornings, midday. Um, my strategy going forward is, is I've got a couple stands set up that are in the timber, and it's not in deep timber by any means, but it's in timber um, that I think a, a cruising buck would uh, feel safe to come by, uh, one for a north wind, one for a south wind. So my strategy is going to be hunting one of those stands inside the timber in the mornings, uh, maybe even through midday. Um, and then if I can, you know, try to get back to the house. And luckily I, you know, I'm usually only a few hundred yards from the house, um, grab a bite to eat, you know, get a little, uh, relaxation in before I get back out there and, uh, and then hunt probably food, uh, of an evening. Um, one of the, one of the food plots out of the blind more than likely. So, that's going to be my strategy. Uh, the other upside to, you know, the one blind in particular is, is I can see a lot and I can figure out, you know, if there's a certain area these deer are using that maybe I need to try to find a way to get in there. Um, that's what I did last year. I, I had them patterned. I just didn't have the means to get set up on them. Um, I'm set up in those locations or near those locations. Now uh, we'll see if they, they do the same things this year that they did last year, which is obviously not even remotely guaranteed to happen. So, um, but right now, I mean, I, I've been hunting a lot of mornings. I've actually been hunting some mornings and not some afternoons, but my movement's been slow. Uh, the one timber stand that, uh, I've been hunting, I've gotten skunked the last three sits in it. Um, I think I sat in it maybe three times before that and had a lot of activity, um, a lot of buck activity coming through there. But again, the acorns were more plentiful at that point. Um, but this is also a stand that I'm seeing uh, my number one target buck coming by, um, freshening up a scrape, checking. Uh, there's a few doe trails that come out of this strip of timber, and I think he's checking them as he comes through. So it's going to be uh, quality over quantity. And, you know, for a guy like me, that can be tough sometimes. But, you know, this year I've just taken a whole new approach to the hunting that I'm not getting discouraged. I mean, if I sit there three times in a row and I don't see a deer, I'm not ready to throw the towel in. Mm-hmm. It helps when you get trail camera pictures of daylight activity uh, of your shooter. But you just know that, you know, this is my best opportunity for this deer to come by. I'm not out here to, to shoot does. I've already shot a doe this year. Um, I'm out here to, to kill a mature buck. And I believe that that location is a good spot to be in, especially these next couple weeks. So I'm going to try to hunt smart. You know, I've got four four locations, two stands, two blinds. Uh, they each have uh, their most beneficial win to hunt. Some of them you can kind of, you know, do more than one win. But um, so I feel like I should be covered regardless of the wind where it's at. It may not be the best spot, but if it's the safest spot, that's probably what I'm going to choose to do. Um, and something I would probably touch on, Mike, is, uh, you know, when you're going to choose a stand location, if you've been out and you're checking trail cameras, is go off that most recent information. If you've got deer hitting an area, don't don't uh, don't ignore it. That's right. You, you, I mean, use that to your advantage. I mean, that is it's a, uh, it's a good time of year to check your cameras way more than you think you should. And I haven't been doing that. Yeah. And as we were talking, when you come and picked us up on uh, on the ranger tonight. You know, you're like, oh, there's a camera right here where this buck was scraping at. I'm going to check the camera. Well, you had your cards with you. And I keep forgetting to bring mine. And I just at least need to throw a few in because there's no 
reason, no logical reason, that when I walk right by a camera going into the stand that I don't check it. Check them. Yeah. And I, I check them every single time. I don't care if I hunted that spot the morning and then I'm coming back from the afternoon. Check yeah. it. You might, you might see something on there that you just gonna, never know. So, yeah. and that's I, I got lucky. Uh, I checked cameras last Saturday, and that shooter was there that morning. I mean, so I knew right away, okay, he was right there. It was just a yeah. fluke. That that's, I chose to check cameras and not hunt. Um, I'll so that, check, that's a good I point. I will check cameras going into a stand, and if I've checked it walking in, you know, a lot of times I'll have a, a card reader or something with me. I can check it. And if I'm walking back out by that camera, I'll glance at it to see if there's been any activity. Any activity, because I and it may be just a, a field edge stand, and I've I've went on past it to get to my sure. new primary stand for the evening. But but uh, you know that most recent information this time of the year is key. And yeah. that's going to be the don't don't come uh, December first and and go check cameras and realize where you should have been hunting yeah. November tenth. So. Well, yeah, and you know a lot of your cameras this time of year should be on scrapes on edges, and that's should be a spot where you can either drive your truck up to or your four-wheeler or your ranger or, or at least walk to it without, you know, getting too close to the bedding area. And just because he's there at midnight, that doesn't mean he's too far. Right, you know? and mean, especially this time of year. You right. can take all the rules and throw them right out the window this time of year. You really can. Um, Wins, I mean, you know, some people I, I'm, uh, I'm super – conservative probably on on wins in october when it comes november and the rut and things are are really moving you know some marginal wins i'll i'll push some limits on some stands and and have some great hunts on it so well because you know the other thing too is is 50 weeks out of the year for the most part uh a buck's number one focus is survival and staying alive these other two weeks his number one focus is not staying alive it's other activities and it really does happen i mean they don't become totally ignorant but they start doing some pretty crazy stuff and throwing some inhibitions out no different than what a lot of men do i guess you know you get a few drinks in you know 21 year old at the bar (laughs) in college and you know um, sometimes your priorities change a little bit so it's no different so uh, you can get away with a little bit more of a marginal wind i don't know if i would knowingly go out and hunt a horrible wind but you can push it a little bit because there's still a chance that he's going to blow right on by you and not even recognize what he smelled or by the time he figures it out, he's not going to know where it came from because he's got his nose sniffing a different a different scent than what yours is blowing off. So, sure. um, you know, this is it, guys. I mean, it's the rut. It's November. November 1st. You know, it, it's what we look forward to. And, you know, it'll be gone before you know it. Yeah. And November's then, already here. That's what's crazy. It is. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, next thing you know, it's gun season. So, to me, I mean, you know, I always kind of break the, the year up a little bit. And you've, you've got October early season. And then you've got, you know, that last few days of October all the way up through our first gun season, which is always the weekend before uh, Thanksgiving. Um, this is this is hunting time, you know. Um, I say vacation for this. Um, Rutcation. Yeah. I don't, I don't foresee a – a day that I don't hunt from now until November 18th, which mm-hmm. is, you know, Sunday of, of second season. So, or of first, first season, season, I'm sorry. Um, but, uh, it's, it's time to put your money where your mouth is, I guess. Right. You know, we've done all this work, all this preparation and, uh, you know, all this dreaming, I guess. And now is your best opportunity. It doesn't mean that if you're not successful, you know, these next two weeks, two and a half weeks that you can't still be, um, Especially in you know our situations, we've done a lot of work with food plots and stuff, and you know the main the main focus as far as 
or the main purpose as far as the hunting aspect of the food plots goes is late season, you know, get through um, first gun season, even second gun season into muzzleloader season. That's when you can really start seeing, uh, you know, your your standing grains and uh, your brassica plots really getting hit and taken off. Um, you get into December and then uh, later from there. So I'm really not going to feel as, as discouraged as I had in years past when all that I had was a, a cut crop field to hunt over that was, was picked clean by the 1st of December. So um, I don't know what else you guys are wanting to hit on while we're here. I guess, uh, you know, let's talk a little bit more about uh, Deerland and Deerland HQ, which we're at here at uh, the North Breck Farm, uh, the, the Zen Homestead. Um, I think we're going to kind of adopt this location as our – as our place to be. Uh, Louie was uh, kind enough to let Tyler and I both come out here and uh, hunt this evening, uh, even though I had to go buy a license and a tag because I'm not hunting on my own land. But uh, it was a good time. Um, I haven't told him yet, but I'm coming back before the season's oh, over with. Yeah. And you can go sit in the gar hole again. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and I'll sit in that gar hole. <laughs> you, I, I didn't can... let you know, Louie, but Mike's pretty well got the rest of the season planned down here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He you says, I, always... didn't, I didn't spend 40 bucks for nothing yeah. here. So. Always, you can always have that spot up there, Mike. Yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't spend $40 to come out here and sit for one night. So You know, there's um, a couple does up there and a, and a, a little buck. That'll get you excited yep. probably every time he yep. comes out. You but. know, and, and there's uh, you showed me one of your coals, and I would I would be very happy to sh- to shoot this coal box. So. Do yourself a favor, Mike, before you leave. Take a picture of that uh, Huntera map over there. <laughs> oh yeah, very very informative and useful. Yeah. Um, well, you know, it, I think I don't know. I th- do all of us use on X? I should have took all those little pins marker, down, Parker around pins down. Yeah. You know, the, the, I'll tell you that that the blind that I hunted tonight, that Banks blind tonight, I like it. It's not a very long walk. It's easy to get yeah. to. Yeah. and uh, That's not what you said when we got there. Awfully, awfully comfortable. Well, it's longer than I have to walk <laughs> uh, to get to my places, but uh, my farm is about uh, a sixth the size. So, Did uh, you like the stealth screens? You know, let's talk about that. And You and I had kind of talked about it, and then I found out that they had it, mm-hmm. and uh, we were both going to get it. And I just, I don't know, I talked myself out of it. I wanted to, to see what it looked like in person first. Mm-hmm. It's it is a great idea. I mean, we were like waving at the deer, standing yeah. out, looking right at us, yeah. and waving. They can't see anything. No, it has pros and cons. Yes. That is great. The, Your depth perception in it is crazy. Like focusing, you know, it was just odd to try it's, to focus. It's hard. it's hard on your eyes. And uh, and when you get in low light, uh, it can get a little tougher. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I called Mitch Banks at Banks Lines and was talking to him about it, he had told me that what he normally does is the top third he will cut off so he can still stand up to look out um, in low light. And he says that works very well for him. Um, it's not a bad idea. You know, I'm thinking about I'm thinking about making the the move and and doing it um, the st- for the folks that don't know what the heck we're talking about the stealth screen is it's an adhesive that you can put on the window and it will allow you to look out the window but if you're on the outside of the blind looking in it just looks like camo it's kind of like yeah, that, I, that I primos use, yeah, double bowl blind it's yeah. a it's a perforated vinyl product is what it is and it, it's kind of no different it, than what people put in the back window of their trucks right. it's like a you yeah, know like a, sure. a window tent almost I, I always use mcdonald's as an example you, mm-hmm. you drive up to mcdonald's you see advertisements across the windows but you can't see in but you go on the inside and you look out you can look outside yeah. it's fine it's the same concept in the deer blind uh you know i think it's like we've talked i think all of us have it's got its pros it's got its cons a little bit 
So does the other. I, so does the other with with just the wide open with window. With just and the, the wide open. We we got by with a lot tonight. As far as even, I mean, Mike and I, we had a deer looking right at the blind, yeah. and I purposely put my hand right by the window yeah. and waved at the deer just to see if it would do anything. And no, it, nobody can see you waving. I, your hand, I know by that. The way, I know nobody can see me do that. But <laughs> waving at the deer, he had no idea what I was doing. Had the stealth screens not been on it, that deer would have long. He'd have been gone. I no, mean, he would have seen that in a heartbeat and, and been out of there. So, so I, I don't know. I, in and the I'm, right situations and the right settings where the blinds are, I think they are very beneficial and going to let you get by with even more yeah. than without them. Yep. So I've got I've got blinds in a couple spots that if you've got the the if you don't have the curtain kit up and you're at the right angle, you can look all the way through that blind. You can look through one window and out the other, and the deer they come unglued when they see that because they're not used to seeing that because we have our curtains up. Right. So the stealth screen is going to save my butt doing, you know, on those blinds because now they're just going to look up there and see camo on the flip side though. When a deer comes out to a food plot and looks up at that fancy blind and sees camo his whole life. And then when we go in there and hunt and maybe we have to open that window, there's no more. He's going to, he's going to look up there and see a black hole. It's it's uh you know, it's a I, tricky, I think, tricky and maybe deal. we're looking into that too much. I don't know, but I think in low light they're not going to see the camo versus the black hole. But if I, it's, I think the happy medium to all of of the uh, do you put the stealth screen on or not and the the black hole is if you could get the stealth screen where it was like a matte black on the window. Yeah, just would black. be the would yeah. be the happy medium that would probably be. Which the, I'm sure they ha- they, they do, do and I, and I've looked and you can find that stuff. Um, and, and 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 we battle it with these banks blinds, but the guys battle the same thing with when they're setting up their double bulls on a cut cornfield. You know the black hole. Right. You know the deer just have to get used to it. There's some other companies out, other blind companies out there that have the windows tinted. Yes. As a way to do that, but when you get in the right light conditions, you still that, see through it. That yeah. tinting, you can look straight through yeah. it all. Yep. And there's actually with the stealth screen, I have looked at certain angles and you can see daylight you still can if you line two windows up you can still kind of not as bad but not as i don't think the deer are going to be bothered as much so i I, i'm still going to try to find a solution i mean as you know last year i i come up with uh my own ingenuity and what i did is i got some just um mesh netting camo mesh netting and i cut uh cut at the size of the curtains and uh what i did is i cut three layers of it and uh hook them together with zip ties and a washer and then that could hook onto the magnets that are on the side of the blind and when it's bright out you have all three layers there and as it progressively gets darker and darker you can flip up one of those layers and then you know there's less to see through and that's what i did last year and it 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 was effective um but i think there is a better solution and I, i do like this stealth screen idea but i'm with you on the black thing um, so I will probably try to find some sort of a solution for like a black, a black vinyl that goes on there. You know, the stuff is kind of cashy. I mean, you know, if somebody gets on bank's website and sees what they're asking, they're going to say, man, that's outrageous, but you got to look just by the material and it's not cheap. And mm-hmm. you know, you buy the stealth screen kit and it's already pre-cut, you know, the right size and everything and, and easy for you. So I went, I went to a sign shop one day and thought maybe I had the black idea in my mind to do that. And I walked in and. I quickly learned that I'll just, you know, the bank, the banks just buy the stealth screens and put them on. It's a lot simpler. Yeah. Um, you know, you might save a couple bucks, but it wasn't going to be much. So sure. 
I mean, they they've got their place. You know, if if you've got if you've got a if you've got a blind that's out in the middle, or you know, a lot of opportunities to look through and, and see daylight. Uh, you know, if you've got that's where they come in play. If you've got something that's more in the timber or or you know, small plot, mm-hmm. that's a place you can probably get by with not having one any of it. Mm-hmm. Yep. So so yeah, that's. Uh, that's the blinds again, I guess. But uh, but here, um, this is going to be our new home. Um, you know, we're out here in uh, kind of your man cave garage, and uh, it's a pretty nice setup, actually. Uh, better than what I what I thought, you know. I mean, I'm yeah. used to my garage, and it's not quite like this. And I think this is going to be a good place for us to, uh, to meet. And, uh, you know, again, you get to sit here and look at some great deer on the wall and kind of get you – get you in that mood and it also doesn't hurt when you get a chance to hunt the farm right before you come in and podcast so um well if we hunt every time we uh do a podcast here i'm sure mike we're gonna be doing one every day here yeah next, yeah next 12 well no, days. no i'm ready to hunt my own farm right now <laughs> i mean i i've got a couple deer that i just I, I gotta i gotta put some time in for and you know and when I'm sitting out here tonight, I'm thinking, man, I hope nothing shows up on my camera tonight while I'm down here <laughs> instead I, of there. And- I asked Mike tonight when we were sitting in the blind, I said, what do you do when Freak Nasty steps out? <laughs> there was zero hesitation as to whether or not he was going to shoot, shoot that deer. He was going to shoot him. No. <laughs> that's not what I said. And that I, is, this uh, podcast would be a little awkward. Yeah. <laughs> so, so he did. If you shoot the big one out here. He did propose that question, and I, without hesitation, said I would not even – think about reaching for my bow um just as i would know how it would be if you know if i had you guys hunting my farm um and you know one of my shooters come out and you know but i i thought on it more we were talking about a little bit more and there are caveats to that um you know if if it was a a deer that you know maybe somebody had never shot one or you know the biggest one they'd ever had and you know i if you shot a pile of 150s and a 150 steps out you know, yeah, and then you shoot a 150, and you've already shot six 150s. I mean, you know, then it's like, all right, come on. I haven't even shot that yet. But, but no, I mean, you know, we all put a lot of work into our farms, and I think we respect each other's farms. And, honestly, it could have been a 180-inch deer, and I, I would have enjoyed watching it and taking pictures of it. And I mean that to the bottom of my heart. Um, but that, that coal buck, if he would have come out, the one that wasn't busted up, yeah, I would have shot him, and I would have been happy with yeah. him. Um, but, uh, I'm part of me is glad that he didn't. And, uh, I'll come back after, uh, after gun season and, uh, try to take some of these coals off your hands at that point. If I have any buck tags left, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm, I'm hoping by the time gun season's over with, I don't have any buck tags left to use, but, uh, I got plenty of doe tags, so I can always come and help you, uh, take care of the doe population, but doe farm. Well, this yeah. is fun and we need to just plan on doing this. Yeah, you know, and that's that's the plan, guys. I mean, we're going to try to have regular content. I really, really want to be able to give you an episode every week. I know how it is for the uh, the podcast that I listen to. You know, if they're not giving out uh, regular content, you kind of lose interest a little bit. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of a catch-22. Right now is the time to be talking deer hunting. But we're doing a lot of deer hunting, too, yeah. you know. And, and we have uh, demanding careers, and we have families and wives and kids. But we're still going to try our best to uh, to give you – uh, an episode every week. Um, we would love to hear back from you on uh, some podcast topics that you would like to hear. Um, we would like to uh, to talk about stuff that people want to hear about, and uh, we would love to hear back from you on that. Any guests that you would uh, you would like to hear? Any suggestions? Let us know, and we will do our best to uh, to get on who we can. 
you know, right now we're new, um, so we don't really have much pull in uh, the outdoor industry or the podcasting world at this point. But we're hoping to change that and uh, get some of these episodes out there for people to listen to, hear what uh, we have to offer and kind of who we are and what we're about. And we're hoping that uh, that will be good enough to get some uh, get some guests on here and talk about some uh, entertaining and informative topics. So, uh, as uh, Steve Rinella would say on Meat Eater, any concluders? Um, any final thoughts from any of you guys um, before we wrap this episode up? Man, I'm just really excited about the next three to four weeks. I mean, I've had some really good hunts, even November uh, 18th through the 25th. I mean, Thanksgiving can be a great day. So this is our this is what we dream about is the next 20 days. Yep. So it's the holy grail of uh, deer hunting. That's for sure. That's you know, right. This, this whole month. So. Um, and it will go by quick, guys. I mean, no, man. We work 50 weeks out of the year to hunt these two weeks. You know, r- really. You know, and then I guess I use some of my time for turkey season, too. But uh, even then, that's becoming less and less because turkey season, you can kind of be done with by 8 o'clock if you had to be. If you're not on anything, you can <laughs> you can safely call it a day and go to work. But uh, during the rut, it's hard to get out of that stand, you know, before 10 o'clock um, at all. So. So I think that's going to wrap it up here for episode number two of the Deerland podcast. Be sure to check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. And uh, you can find us at Deerland Podcast at all of those. Also, you can check us out on our website, DeerlandPodcast.com. Make sure if you find us on iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play, um, SoundCloud, any of the places where you catch your uh, podcasts at, subscribe like comment um you know the more uh, the more interaction we get there the more subscriptions and likes and downloads and listens we get the the better um the better exposure we get on those platforms and maybe we can uh, kind of start building our listenership up but that's gonna to come from a lot of you guys out there so again we hope that uh, you enjoy this episode number two um, we've enjoyed bringing it to you and we're already looking forward to uh, the next one to come here pretty soon so best of luck to you enjoy this first week in november and we'll see you soon